That's not a good way to start a meal. What it is, what it do. This is Ramblin' Your Rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from Los Angeles, California. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. We got a lot to talk about with the Rams. Teams across the league are showing up to football facilities to kick off training camp, finally. With that, I want to bring on my next guest because he's aware of it all. He's a national reporter for the NFL Network. He's been covering the league since 2012. He's a California native, so he knows about earthquakes and get this he's been around the game so long one of his first jobs was being a game day security guard for the 49ers i love this as a teenager he was escorting nfl referees to and from the field talk about exposure uh welcome you can follow him on twitter at omar d ruiz omar ruiz thanks for hanging out (laughs) yeah that's a heck of an intro serena thank you very much (laughs) bringing back those old 49er days and, and i'll tell you what being on the sidelines during games, they always would tell us, you are not supposed to watch the games. You are supposed to attention yeah, security guard. to the stands. Yeah, we're security. Got to make sure there's no fights up there. And this is all pre-9-11, so security was a lot different in those days. This was during the 97 season, I believe, Steve Mariucci's first year coaching the 49ers. But what I would do is I would sit there. I had my knee placed on the five-yard line. And I would, you have the play clock on both sides of the field, right, at Old, at old Candlestick Park. And so I would time the play clock. So I'm scanning the crowd, scanning the crowd, scanning the crowd, scanning the crowd. Okay, now I have the vantage point of the field. Snap. I watch the play unfold. Okay. End of the play. Tackles made. Whistle blown. Now I'm scanning the field, scanning the field, scanning the field. And I had that timing down to perfection. But being on the sidelines really, really fueled this passion to – to become a reporter and to become a member of the media and and kind of cemented what I wanted to do with my career and, and to be at games now on the sidelines once again and, and getting paid for it. Uh, it's truly a dream come true, which which was ultimately kind of back in those days that you referenced. We both went to Syracuse Newhouse, so I just want to reference, Matt, that yeah. this is the stuff they don't teach you, though. Like, I should have been a security guard as an intern. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Matt's so well, sick my- of me hearing about Newhouse, it's, Syracuse, Syracuse. Everybody's a, oh. Everybody went to Syracuse, apparently. Everybody. Go Orange. Yeah, I mean, the reason they call it the Syracuse Mafia, because we're kind of everywhere. Syracuse tentacles, you know, nationwide, and, um, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, how we first bonded, Serena, and I think everybody kind of has that bond kind of when, when you're a member of Orange Nation like that and, you know, certainly proud to have called Central New York home for a couple of years. And, yeah. and um, you know, it's so cool to see all, you know, my friends doing well in the business and, and uh, you know, certainly a very memorable time in my life. And that, too, kind of shaped who I am and where I am and, and all, all that uh, that has become my NFL career. I'll never look at a security guard the same way again. I'm like, yo, are you pulling the Omar Ruiz? Like, like, is this how we're doing things? Some, like, I'm also on the sideline, and I'm I'm keeping an eye. Most there's a couple times where you'll find them just not paying attention to the crowd at all. They it's, they got they're just completely invested in the play. Well, it's like when when they're back when they're facing the field. You know, their back is to the stand, so they're just completely engaged in the game. Um, but I remember one of the coolest parts was. Uh, you know, being at my position, like I said, I was at the five, 
is where my little station was as I waited for those refs to either come off of the field during warmups to come off the field at the end of the first half or come off the field at the end of the game. And, and I remember Dion fielded a punt and I probably was up closer to the five. Otherwise he probably would have been fielding a, a punt inside the five, but he fielded a punt and then just kind of ran his way out of bounds and kind of ran right next to me. And uh, I was just, you know, couldn't believe, you know, Dion Sanders was there running right next to me. And, and what are, you know, just, it's so funny uh, I, I don't know if it's our ego at work, but I remember I would watch every single sports center highlight. I would watch inside the NFL on HBO, trying to see if I was on one of those highlights. Like, oh, there I am in the yellow jacket. And, uh, it's, and it's so funny because even nowadays, you know, I, I appear on television for a living. Um, but when I see myself sort of when I'm not supposed to be on, it's still like, oh, there I am. How cool. Yes. Dude, <laughs> I'm working on hard knocks right here. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, yeah, that's going to be the ultimate. We did that <laughs> when, yeah. they were, when they were here in 2016. We were all keeping an eye on where we were. And they did a really good job of cutting us out of a lot of things because I felt like we were <laughs> oh, in, the, in the trenches with them on almost everything. And I think I saw myself like twice in the whole four, four episodes. That's we- my goal. Go ahead, Serena. Oh, we went up to the uh, to play the Raiders preseason. We were up in Napa Valley, and Hard Knocks was covering the Raiders last season. Yeah. Les Snead made fun of me because I wore black that day. And he was like, <laughs> whose team do you cover? And I was like, what if I'm trying to make Hard Knocks, man? <laughs> yeah, I cover the Rams and the Chargers, so I have maybe double the opportunity to get on. That should be my mission because I remember, you know, obviously coming the, covering the Rams that year. I went to a Texans camp one year when, when they had Hard Knocks there. And there's been a couple other times. I think I was at the Browns one year when they, they were on Hard Knocks, and I've yet to sort of make that cameo. So maybe uh, 2020 is our year. Me, me and Omar are going to be, like, standing next to each other. I mean, six <laughs> feet apart from each other, but also, like, yo. We're <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. We're both already on camera. We're like, yo, what's, what's up, people? Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. our egos. It's terrible. All right, let's get to it. We're going to talk about guys, actually a guy that really doesn't have an ego very much. Um. The NFL has spoken. Aaron Donald was voted number three on the NFL Top 100. This is 80's third straight year making the top 10. What do you think of his ranking? Um, just for some reference, Pat Mahomes was four, AD three, Russell Wilson two, and Lamar Jackson number one. It seems like they've gone with the MVP as number one maybe the last couple of years, so it makes sense, um, you know, that that Lamar would be there, but I think – Aaron Donald being the top ranked defensive player kind of says volumes. And I think we see it every year when you see um, somebody put up big time numbers, get a big time paycheck. They have the reference points of so-and-so is, has the most sacks of any interior defensive lineman other than Aaron Donald. That other than Aaron Donald seems like it comes up in every statistical category. And then when you look at those comparisons, Aaron Donald is so far and away, maybe almost double the statistics than who's number two. So it really is remarkable what he's been able to accomplish here. We see it all the time, what he does on a daily basis. I remember the first time that I was truly blown away by Aaron Donald. You might remember this game. It was 2017. They played at Seattle, and it was really that dominating performance where the Rams won like 42-7 to or something like that. And having covered both teams – Um, You know, I'm studying that game and it took until about midway through the third quarter before Aaron Donald was truly blocked. 
Now, obviously, he didn't make every tackle. He didn't make every play. Sometimes the play goes to the complete other side. Russell Wilson would maybe throw it before Aaron could even impact the play. But he wasn't really blocked, truly blocked, until midway through the third quarter. And that just kind of – it dawned on me just how truly dominant and special Aaron Donald is. And I love how you said the lack of ego because I think people, they might see on the outside him flexing – with the muscles and posing for all those pictures. He does that with such charm and a wink that maybe if other people did it, people are, oh, you know, what a cocky guy, what an arrogant guy. Not like that with Aaron Donald because he truly is down to earth. And I think he's kind of maybe in on that kind of fun joke and brings the fans into that world and does so in in such a good natured way. Um, We see the kind of work he does behind the scenes, how he treats people, the good guy that he is, that's all a bonus for what he does on the field. But he really is a special player, a special guy, and good to see him continue to get that recognition. For sure. And, I mean, you get a back-to-back defensive player of the year. 2019 was when it was like, holy cow. I mean, he had 20 and a half sacks, set an NFL record for defensive tackle. Last season, and Sean McVay said it, he's like, you know, the stats aren't really representative of what Aaron's doing. Obviously, last season specifically, I mean, that dude was getting double, triple teamed at times, which was a benefit to a guy like Dante Fowler. Last season, he still had 12 and a half sacks and led uh, the league with 20 tackles for loss. So not surprised that he's number three. A lot of Twitter just is fun to just be like, oh, yeah, you know, look at these guys. Like, I know people were like, oh, how could you put Pat Mahomes at number four and AD at three? So a lot of banter there, but I'm with you. He should have been a top 10 candidate without even a thought. So I'm glad he got some recognition from guys around the league. Jalen Ramsey, number 37, Cooper Cup, 89, also made the top 100 list. Um, What are your thoughts on, on where those two guys ranked? I think appropriate. I think yeah. Jalen Ramsey's right up there with one of the top corners in the league. And, and you know, Stephon Gilmore, obviously the defensive player of the year last year, deservingly uh, went higher. But I think Jalen is in position this year, full season with the Rams, first year with Brandon Staley to show what he can do. And, and we've seen in, in such high regard how Staley has talked about Ramsey, his excitement to really get the most out of Jalen Ramsey and really build that secondary around his particular skill set. So I don't think we've seen the best of Jalen Ramsey as good as he's been in his young career. And so to be 37th already in that list, and remember, Serena, this is all put out by the players. So these are this is the respect that they're getting from their peers around the league. And so um, I'm excited to see what Jalen Ramsey does, um, you know, given this, you know, full offseason. Granted, it was a virtual offseason, but, you know, it fully immersed in that Saley playbook with the Rams and and now kind of welcomed into that Southern California culture that, you know, he was getting a feel for last year, you know, after the trade, but uh, I'm excited. And as for Cooper cup, I think people that have seen him play every game since 2017 would know that he's one of the top 100 players in the NFL, but for him to publicly get that recognition from his peers and, and to show up the way he did in a number of big ways in, in a number of clutch ways, uh, that he seems to do consistently. And I would expect for him to get, you know, even more recognition this season. I thought it was curious that we saw Cooper Cup working out with Aaron Donald this offseason. And you want to talk about, you know, a strong receiver. I was uh, speaking with uh, Rams receivers coach Eric Yarver a little earlier this offseason and, and the sort of focus 
that Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, yeah. um, you know, emphasize in the running game and that strength really a part of it, setting the tone for how important they, and seriously they take the run block assignments as great of receivers as they are. So people talk a lot about Cup's uh, route running, um, how he's the security blanket for, for Jared Goff, but he is a complete player and really does his 111th uh, every time he's out on the field for the Rams. So again, that's another player I think we haven't even seen the best of yet. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's it's funny, um, a couple of years ago, who knows what year it is anymore, but um, we've always, uh, during training camp, asked the players, like, who's the hardest guy on your team to cover? And Marcus Peters, Akeem, all of them are like, yo, Coop is sneaky hard, like, to cover? Like, he is... Cooper Cup, <laughs> thanks, Matt. Um, I mean, you talk to any of like the DBs, and they will sing praises about Coop, which is hilarious in itself because, as you know, Cooper Cup is one of the quietest uh, players when it comes to again humble, keeps to himself, head down, just kind of does what he does. And then the DBs, by nature, are very loud and very boisterous and all sorts so yeah they can yeah, talk right, so yeah. to have them go Coop is my boy you know just to have that I just, it makes me happy and it, I actually think and I haven't been up to the facility in the locker rooms obviously with all the limitations but I've been told that Coop and AD are actually next to each other in the locker room oh um, wow but I think they're changing up the locker room spacing sure. so that they have defense offense so like you're not having position yep. groups kind of take it like with safety yeah. precautions you're keeping different players away from each other but Cooper Cup specifically was excited about that because he was like I want to be around other players that I wouldn't normally get to talk to which speaks to just Coop's everything you know so it's kind of it's cool I remember being out at a practice last spring when he was recovering from his injury and just how explosive he looked coming off an injury kind of working out off to the side and, and I remember we were out there um, for a different story, I think, but, but Cup's workouts were so um, eye-grabbing that we changed the story that day, and we focused on Cooper Cup's recovery, and, and obviously it paid off with a big season for him in 2019, and I think that, that trajectory is still ascending, and, and I think it, it also should be noted that you know, Cooper's one of those guys, like many other Rams have, and players around the league to – to really use their platform to benefit others and, you know, paying for the meals that he has and all the, the people in the pandemic kind of stepping up in that regard too, kind of showing the leadership, not only maybe that he has in the locker room, but also in his community, which I think should be noted as well. For sure. Is there anyone that you would have put on the uh, NFL 100 from the Rams that kind of missed, missed out? Oh, Robert Woods. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was think, thinking. you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, I think his entire career will be underrated. And then when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about, should this guy go in the Hall of Fame? I think, you know, he, he has that sort of career where um, he does whatever it takes for the team's success. And he's always been that way. Um, I think he's truly one of those leaders in the locker room that really is a, a glue guy and, and can really develop the chemistry. Um, and I think he's going to be as important as he's ever been to that roster. And I think he'll continue to put up the big numbers. So I think him, um, maybe just because his touchdowns uh, weren't as plentiful last year, I think he just had two. Um, so maybe that fell off and, and that didn't get as much attention. But I think um, if you ask uh, defenders in the NFC West and throughout the NFC and, and people that are on the Rams schedule, 
that Robert Woods is always typically, you know, one of the first two or three Rams that they mention as, as far as having a game plan for. So that respects there. I think he deserved to be on the top 100. For sure. Um, we'll switch quickly to defense. I know you spoke about um, Brandon Staley, the new defensive coordinator. Um, so he now has a pair of top 10 position groups to work with. Poor him. In his first season with the team, uh, according to PFF, the Rams defensive line ranks eighth in the league and the Rams secondary ranks ninth in the league heading into the 2020 season. You and I have both seen the quotes come out from this team based on Oh, Brandon Staley's got the energy, like Troy Hill speaks so highly of him. Uh, I know um, Jalen Ramsey speaks so highly of him. Bunch of guys love his energy. So how do you think, you know, a guy, new DC, new team, crazy season, and whatever, you know, we see down the line, how do you think he's going to handle this defense, though? Because they're touted as one of the best in the league. Well, I think the Rams defense has been one of the more talented the past few years, obviously, you know, they rode that defense and, of course, Coach McVay's explosive offense to the Super Bowl. And I think in looking at this potentially a bounce-back year for this Rams defense, I would love to see that Rams defense take on the personality of its leader, the defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. I think the first time, you know, I, I kind of – the radar jumped off on him is when Sean McVay said, you know, as crazy about football as I am – I think this guy's sick the way he loves football and his passion for the game. And I think that, you know, kind of put him on everybody's radar as far as the energy and passion that we talk about. And then I think we spoke to Leonard Floyd earlier this offseason. And he's an understated guy, you know, not, not maybe the most charismatic speaker, but he was saying that he's ready to run through a wall for Brandon Staley and to get that sort of emotion out of a, a player like that. I, I'm excited to see that talent enhanced with maybe a frenetic, controlled chaos style of defense uh, to go along with a great scheme and everything. But when you play with that passion, that energy, a lot of these great defenses have that in common. And I think the Rams with all that talent around them, you throw that in there uh, with Staley's leadership there. And we are looking at potentially maybe even a top five defense once again for the Rams. Let's go. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Quickly with an addition to that, that makes me very happy. Um, our segment, what makes me happy in preparation for training camp, the players are checking in at Cal Lutheran for testing. They're picking up their stuff. So what made me happy this week was actually seeing Samson Abacom show up with no shoes on. He just wore <laughs> socks outside of his car, walked right into the facility, say hands and it's just rocking white socks. And to me, this screams, I am comfortable, right? He's heading into his fourth season. Well, there's a lot of talk, I think, on like, who's going to replace Corey Littleton? I actually am excited to see a guy like Samson Abel come shine. Um, I know he's worked his butt off this off season. And so for him to just show up with white socks on the, the ground outside, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm expecting from you. Made me very happy. I think the I think the linebackers group in general will be an interesting group to watch yep. grow. A lot of again, you got a guy like Micah Kaiser who's coming back from injury. Um, I think Samson. We're looking to see who fills, you know, some big shoes from Corey Littleton. So, well, I'm I, all I'm about excited. that. You know, we, we both know Joe Barry, you know, yeah. one of the great position coaches. <laughs> He's ready to play <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you no know, linebacker coach for them, and I, I think the last couple of years, you know, because. You know, let's face it, they, they've had a, a good secondary there, whether it was, you know, Marcus Peters or, you know, Janoris Jenkins going way back, Tremaine Johnson, all those guys. They've had a good secondary over the years. As long as Aaron Donald's been there, 
That front four has been highly touted. So linebackers have always been a question. And you look at the way Corey Littleton was developed here uh, in this system um, and, and obviously soared to incredible heights and got that big contract with the Raiders. I think we'll see similar development with those players that you just mentioned. So, you know, while linebacker spot would have big questions, they've had questions like that and they've been answered. And I think, you know, the, uh, more players will have opportunity uh, to shine, like you said, um, from guys that we, we know and guys that maybe we don't know, but will make names for themselves in 2020. For sure. Um, quick news from around the NFL. You retweeted someone who said that it would be a travesty if Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is not the Walter Payton man of the year. Uh, for what he's done, what he is sacrificing, um, for those that don't know, he's a doctorate in medicine, obviously he helped the Chiefs win the Super Bowl X amount of months ago, but this man is doing big things during the pandemic. So is he is he your early pick for Walter Payton man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think when it's all said and done, he will have pretty stout competition because the way some of these NFL players have responded in this incredibly tough time during the pandemic, a lot of players have shown through. We mentioned Cooper Cup, Drew Brees comes to mind, all the money he's donated in New Orleans and Louisiana. But the, the way Laurent uh, Duvernay-Tardif has sacrificed uh, putting his career on hold, really sacrificing his health, putting himself in the line of fire, uh, helping these people in hospitals uh, on a daily basis, uh, putting his career on the back seat to do that uh, just speaks volumes about his character and, and his mission to help people, um, and, and you know, especially in this time of crisis, to respond the way he has, and then and then not to then you know walk away with it. Okay, time to go back to my day job, but to truly stay committed and opt out of the season to continue to help people. Yeah, I think ultimately he'll be the winner. But I'm excited to see in all the different ways um, other people put themselves in that candidacy in that ballpark because I think the NFL will respond in such an enormous way. Uh, to help the people across the country and really around the world with all the different platforms that the NFL has. And I remember when he got that doctorate, they wouldn't let him put Dr. DuVernay Tardif on the back of his jersey. I think if he comes <laughs> back after this, you got to allow it. Yes. Right? No, no question. No question. That's the idea of the day right there, Matthew. We, um, Matt, you brought up a good point. We were talking about this earlier. Uh, you know, someone's like him stepping out um, and – opting out of a season to play kind of brings up the larger question around who is opting out of this season. But with that, now there's openings for younger guys, guys we don't really notice so much, um, kind of step up and make a name for themselves. Do you have anyone in mind that you're like, oh man, this, you know, the Patriots who have a, a number of guys or I don't know anyone around the league that you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if this guy opts out, will the next guy step up? Uh, not not immediately. I think um, I think you know that with that stable. We'll of see in preseason, right? We're still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I don't think we're. I don't think we've finished seeing you know the number of players that will opt out. Yeah, I think more. I think we'll get um, probably even more players opt out once they kind of go into the facility. Um, they see the precautions that are in place and, and may or may not feel as comfortable. You know checking it out I, I think when you look at the feature that our own Steve Weich did uh, from NFL media with Reggie Scott um, the Rams athletic trainer I was convinced that it was you know as safe as they can make it 
And, um, you know, it's truly remarkable on the effort that the Rams have done behind the scenes to make it as safe as possible. Like you mentioned a little earlier, you know, staggering offensive and defensive players, even out of different position groups. So that way, if one does get sick, they're not around the entire position group to infect them. And really, it seems like uh, so much thorough preparation has not only um, come to fruition, but um, people are believing in it. But with that being said, um, I think there are people that, that, that might still go into it. And we don't know what all 32 uh, health and safety systems will be. Um, there will be more people to continue to opt out. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's more opportunity. Nobody really comes to mind. Just when I was thinking, though, of who I'm excited to see, one of my sort of stars on the rise heading into last season was John Johnson. The way yeah. he finished, the way he finished out 2018, and kind of had that star-making potential. And then obviously the injury last year. But I'm excited to see him kind of step in there um, with Taylor Rapp and, and kind of everyone's going to be talking about the Seattle uh, secondary and that safety uh, tandem this year, deservedly so, you know, Diggs and, and Adams are, are terrific players, but I think, you know, Johnson and, and Rap kind of coming together and, and really to see, you know, if Johnson takes that leap into star status um, is something I'm excited to see, not related to anybody opting out, of course, but yeah. an excitement that I have about this upcoming season about a specific player. JJ is certainly a fan favorite. It's kind of crazy because you know, when you are watching from afar, like this guy's got star potential, like mm -hmm. he will be the face of X, Y, and Z. I mean, Matt, you know, tell I mean, me if so I'm wrong. He's built for Hollywood. I mean, 100% anyone that's around him, right, Matt? Yeah, he, he has the personality. It's infectious. Um, he has the playmaking abilities. It's not just, it's one thing to uh, be a good player, but you, you have to have that, that kind of playmaking ability where you make the interception yes. and then, you know, the spotlight's on you, your name's getting talked about, and that's kind of how you turn into a star. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he has that ability and the personality to handle it, especially in this particular media market. So uh, all that being said, I mean, that was all part of the reason why, you know, the way he handled the end of the 2018 season, the way he really, you know, was one of those key figures to get them to the Super Bowl. I'm excited about his 2019, and I have that same excitement heading into the 2020 season for him and, and seeing, uh, you know, how he lives, lives up to those expectations. He's also just sneaky uh, smart. Like, usually people undermine the, like, oh, you're so funny, you're so quick-witted that they forget, like, his football mind. But even when, as a reporter, right, when you ask uh, JJ questions, he really has, like, some of the best thought-out answers. Like, equivalent to and obviously everyone um gives andrew whitworth sort of like the prize of wow what a great thought out answer but i actually would give jj equal answer you know like goodness with, with my lack of words here but yeah. he really does have just a great way of speaking which i lacked just now and i do this for a living um jj always has syracuse, things to baby. say syracuse there you go buddy um <laughs> I, I think it's a fair comparison. You were talking about John Johnson and, and Andrew Whitworth. They kind of have that PhD level of football thinking. And I think what separates them, because I think there are a lot of guys in the, in, in the NFL that have that, you know, high level intelligence, um, you know, PhD level of football thinking. But, but Whitworth and Johnson particularly have that ability to relay that to us, you know, people in the media, for us to understand. Because obviously we don't have 
you know, the level of football knowledge that they do, but they're able to articulate it in a way that we're able to kind of understand, oh, this high level thinking in, um, in a way that we as, you know, non, you know, football geniuses can understand. I think that's what separates people like that. And, and ultimately, you know, what would help a, a John Johnson become kind of a star is, you know, that ability to communicate in interviews and, and all that sort of thing. Matt, you know what time it is. Welcome to Serena's socially distant social segment. So the Daily Meal put out a best burger in every state, and I was scrolling through them, and you know some of these I've uh, look kind of accurate. Uh, for California, they have Father's Office as the best burger in every state. So my first question is: A, have you been there? Have you tried it? Can you give us a review? And B, what is the best non-traditional item or accessory on a burger that you've had? Oh my, okay. you're a California native, so. Yeah, so I've been to Father's Office. It is a really good burger. I don't know if it's as good as it's rated, but here's the problem I have with Father's Office is when you go, you order at the bar, and then you have to wait till you get your food to sit. And so now you, you get your food, and now you're kind of like, you know, a bunch of hawks looking at that, you know, food on the ground to try to pick it off. And so you end up kind of, you know, forming these, um, rivalries with the other people that are in the restaurant trying to elbow them out to try to get a seat. And that's not a good way to start a meal when you're almost coming to blows with people to, to sit down and eat your burger. And so, um, so anyway, I, I, the fa- father's office burger is really tasty. Um, but that experience eating there wasn't my most favorite. The most non-traditional uh, burger accessory that I love is in Sacramento where I grew up. Uh, it's called the squeeze in and it's been um, replicated in other places, but it's best at the original. So essentially what they do is they take a burger and then when, when the, the, the meat is almost cooked, they put a bunch of ice and they lay it, the little crunched ice on top of the burger. They throw cheese all around it and then they throw um, a cover on top to steam it and it melts the cheese and crispifies it to perfection. So then when you put that on the burger, you have, you know, a delicious cheeseburger with that crispy cheese. You know, how, you know, cheese tastes a little better when it's crispy like that. And so, and then they have like a huge um, kind of like dress around the burger with that crispy cheese. Then you kind of like fold it onto the burger itself and oh, it's perfection. So that's probably, that's probably my favorite burger in the country. Hodad's in San Diego. If you ever head down there, it would, would be number two, but um but anyway, that, that, that cheese accessory, you know, is, is second thought? to none in the country as far as I'm concerned. Ice on cheese? I've never thought about it. That must have been an accident, that. right? Or were they like, let's try yeah, this out? I don't know how. It's, it's kind of what they're known for. And, and like I said, I've seen it, um, you know, I think when, when we were in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, um, I saw a burger place had the, you know, the, the, it was called the Sacramento Burger, and that's what they did. And I think it's so that way they can – steam the heck out of it. They put the ice on there so that way the cheese doesn't burn because it's coming in direct contact with the, the grill itself. And so, um, but anyway, yeah, so, so squeeze in in Sacramento uh, would be my favorite. Like I said, Hodad's in San Diego right there in Ocean Beach. The reason I would say Hodad's is the number one burger joint in America because not only do they have what, what I consider the number two burger, but their shakes are made uh, with fresh ice cream, which I think is, is you know, I think you have to have fresh ice cream uh, to make a milkshake. 
But then when they serve you in that, you know, like aluminum container or whatever, then they scoop whatever flavor milkshake you get, an entire two scoops of ice cream on top of the milkshake, not to mention the delicious fries and onion rings. So when you put all that together, uh, Hodad's my top spot for, uh, for burgers, uh, albeit the actual burger itself, number two to squeeze in. Need like stretchy pants. I'm getting know. hungry now. And I was right? like, man, this is crazy. Whoa, like without a beat, too, Omar. You just was like, oh, okay, let me break it down for you. <laughs> well, you talk about what makes you happy or whatever food. Obviously, you could see it makes me happy, and uh, yeah, and especially during you know stay at home and quarantine and all this, I become sort of a master on the grill, or at least trying to be. Different recipes, smoking different meats and marinades and all this and that. So. Uh, you, you guys are uh, speaking my language right here. Yeah, I was like, Matt, you got any weird uh, or unique, I should say, burger toppings? I, I watch the Food Network enough. I can throw in some <laughs> options. One of the ones that uh, that stood out to me, which I couldn't believe when I first heard, they said, uh, like I was, I was going to uh, visit, uh, my sister had a visit to Alabama and university, and everybody was telling me, oh, when you go, you got to go try the peanut butter burger. And I was like, the peanut butter Ooh. burger? I'm not putting peanut butter on a burger. And then uh, shout out to Mugshots in Tuscaloosa because the peanut butter burger is, oh, it's so ooh, good. Ooh, that sounds it's, good. It's a little ASMR for everybody, uh, audio listeners. What else What else uh, is on that peanut butter burger? Nothing. It's just, it's burger, I think like burger and peanut butter only. And it's like, I thought it was going to ah. be hard to eat because I was like, that's uh-huh. thick meat and peanut thick peanut butter. But I think if you threw some pickles on there, I know peanut butters ah. and pickles don't, sound good together, but I, I think they're actually a good combo. Um, but I think that would be a good way to kind of neutralize the the heavy stickiness of the peanut butter. But yeah, shout out to Mugshots. Right, so there's a place in uh, in Phoenix that has like a peanut butter chicken sandwich. That it's, it's like a biscuit sandwich shop. And so they, you know, they do like a, a fried chicken and they put, I think, peanut butter. And I think, I think pickles is on that. And, uh, and that's really good. So I can imagine kind of what that tastes like on a burger. Throw some little uh, jelly there, or maybe uh, jalapeno jelly. Yes. Give, give it a little kick. Right. Ooh, yeah. Let's make yeah. our own menu. A peanut butter and jelly, but it's a, yeah, jalapeno jelly. Yeah. I'm in. So um, we're going to quickly wrap up with Say What. Uh, this week's quote from your Rams was made by offensive lineman Austin Blythe, who was recently on Rams Revealed with JB Long, who said, Everything that will go into pre snap football will be the same in regards to this season and the crowd noise. Um, And he continued to say, my interest will be if the NFL allows any amount of noise level into stadiums. Omar, what do you think? Because, like, now there is no, you know, uh, 12th man. There is no, like, extra help when when Jared Goff has to call a play, right? Like, (laughs) what are we doing? Is it all going to be the same? And we're all like, man, this is crazy. Well, well, I think what's interesting is is the NFL, it seems like, is not going to pledge to make um, everything uniform. You know, there mm-hmm. are going to be some places that are going to have fans, you know, albeit, you know, a limited amount. And there's going to be some places that aren't going to have any fans, at least as it looks today. You know, obviously, with the, the season still being about a month and a half away, things could change. But, um, yeah, the fact that we aren't going to have a uniform a set of rules for crowd and crowd noise and and fans and fan participation. It, it's interesting, but I think that gets us back to the overarching uh, reality that 2020 NFL season is just going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. Hopefully it'll be the last time, you know, we've seen 
something like that. Um, but, but I think Austin made a good point um, in just how unique uh, some of these places that who do have intense home field advantages might not have this year and, and what sort of competitive balance that brings to the table in, in these matchups. I mean, in the NFC West, when you're playing the Seahawks, I don't think the Rams are going to complain all that much. <laughs> you know, they're bit. already good enough. So just leave them alone. <laughs> but, but the Rams are one of the better teams that have played up there. You know, I referenced earlier that the game where they blew them out last year and, yeah. and, and obviously, uh, you know, last year, that classic, you know, Thursday night football game, you know, which was, uh, you know, went down to the wire and, and, you know, over the years they've, they've shown up pretty well, at least lately. And, and, and even, you know, back when Jeff Fisher was the coach of the Rams, they always played Seattle tough up there, but um, whatever, whatever they've done, I'm sure uh, they won't welcome, uh, you know, not having crowd noise and, and something else to deal with there. So uh, it'll be interesting places like that in Kansas city, you know, take that crowd noise away. It, uh, it'll be a fascinating look into the 2020 season. That's for sure. Another part of the fascinating look that, that we've seen with all the safety precautions and everything else. We're just going to make burgers and <laughs> Netflix and chill, you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. be a wild season. Um, with that, I do appreciate your time, Omar and Matt. Appreciate you as well. That's it. Another episode of Ramblin' is in the books. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. We're going to be bringing you episodes throughout training camp. Rams fans, in addition to the podcast, Rams Revealed with JB Long, the Rams just launched a new podcast with former Ram. Marco Farr called Rams Iconic, where he'll speak to some of the most legendary players who have put on the horns. His first guest, another Rams legend, Isaac Bruce, was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. So you got to take a listen to that. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, my friends. Omar, appreciate your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Anytime. <laughs>